Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. So Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is upon your word. And we say that your word is holy. The testament of your word is holy. And we love your word. We love your word. Thank you for the word that is sitting in our laps, Lord, right now. Thank you for the blood and the sacrifice that it took to give us this word. We honor your word, Lord. So, Father, may our lives be conformed to your word this night. And loose eternity in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. A powerful apostle wrote these words in Philippians 3. His name is Paul. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. <laughs> I really like that. For me to write you the same, the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Hmm. <laughs> Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Wow. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Wow. That's pretty strong language. Isn't it? Circumcised on the eighth day, a stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Wow. I mean, Paul is laying it down here, thick and strong. Yet, watch this. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is found, or excuse me, from God by faith. Let these next words penetrate your heart tonight, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain to a resurrection from the dead, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Recently, many in this family, we were gathered on the Mount of Olives. And 
we were in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed with his disciples often. He would often withdraw there. Scripture tells us I was, before we left for Israel, I was reading through the Gospels afresh and I, how often it says that Jesus and his disciples would just stay and sleep on the Mount of Olives right outside of Jerusalem. And so we were spending time there and the Garden of Gethsemane. And again, Gethsemane means the oil press. Again, just see that, that olive being squeezed. And that's where Jesus was praying the night of his betrayal and the night of his arrest. The Bible tells us and takes us on this epic journey of Judas who had sought to betray Jesus. And he leads these soldiers to Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're searching and they're inquiring, this amazing scripture in John chapter 18, verse 6, they're looking for Jesus, and and Jesus actually asked this question. He says, who is it that you seek? You remember this? He said, who is it that you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, he said, I am he. And they all drew back and fell to the ground. (laughs) Wow. Could you imagine if it was your assignment that night to find Jesus, apprehend him, arrest him, chain him? He said, I am he. And the soldiers fell to the ground. Wow, is right. Now, I want to insert this this revelation into your heart, and it's found in John chapter 10. It's a declaration that Jesus states about his life. So that we never come in confusion about really who killed Jesus. Okay? This is important. In John chapter 10... Verse 17 and 18, I want you to read these words. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. It says, therefore, my father loves me. Now, what's really interesting to me is as I was preparing this word, Bren came into the kitchen and I was in the back of our home. Many of you have been in our home, so I'm in our dining room just studying and reading the word. And I I was captivated by these words, therefore my father loves me. And I I found Jacob just go into a a, a spirit song tonight that my father loves me. My father loves me. And he was just having to say that declaration over us. And and actually, it was just stunning to me. I just laughed. I'm standing up here and I was just laughing because I just kept reading this today. And I was saying it to Bren. Just listen to Jesus' declaration about his father's love over him. He says, therefore my father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Watch this. No one takes it from me. Wow. Now remember that. Many of you will remember being in Israel with us. And we were in the city of where? Nazareth. And when Jesus spoke out, when he went into the synagogue and he declared the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has been anointed. He just ripped it off. And then, by the way, he just says, now here's the deal. I want you to know that today this hearing has been fulfilled right now. Or this scripture, this Isaiah 61, it has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they lost their minds. 
And they ran Jesus out of town, and they brought him up to a high place, a mountain there in Nazareth, to throw him off a cliff because they thought he was committing heresy. And it says Jesus walked through the midst of them. They could not lay a hand on him. He walked. you got to notice this. He said, no man can take my life. Now, this, this is key. No man can take it from me, but I lay it down of myself. This is strong. Because it had to be Jesus' full submission and surrender to the cup and the will of the Father. He even prayed it the night that we're discussing right now. I'm just going to go a little bit farther. He said, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, then let it be. Then he made the commitment and turned the corner. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Now let's finish it here. Watch this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. Wow. And I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Wow. He is secure about his mission. He is secure about his identity. He is not moving in the fear of man. He is moving in the confidence and the obedience to his father's will. Somewhere along the line, the the son stood before his father, probably before he was commissioned into this earth, and said, son, remember this. You have the authority and the power to lay down your life. No one will ever be able to take it it from you until it is your divine moment and it is your divine time. This is my command over your life. Oh, my. Jesus was not insecure about his understanding his mission. He wasn't insecure about his identity. I said months ago, I remember my wife and I just fell into this conversation one night late. And and I said to her, I said, could you imagine if Jesus would have been insecure about who he really was? If he would have went to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and said, hey, I just, I need some encouragement. I just need a little bit of encouragement. If you could help me, just remind me who I am. He would have been completely lost and ineffective. And so will you if you go to the wrong people to remind you who you are. You got to know what your father has spoken over you, Colleen, Catherine. You got to know what your father has spoken over you, Jim, who you are. Who you are as a son, as a daughter. Glory to God. Wow. So you'll remember this, some of you that went to Israel with us. This is Matthew 26. I want to give you time to go there tonight. Matthew 26. Jesus is arrested this night in the Garden of Gethsemane after those soldiers got up off the ground after Jesus puts the ear back on Malchus, the assistant of Caiaphas, the high priest, after he puts his human ear back on his head that Peter has severed. 
and said, put that sword away. Now he allows himself. Mel Gibson did such an epic job in the Passion of the Christ where Jesus now has healed. And you'll notice if you go back to the film that suddenly Jesus' hands come down and he just looks at them waiting for the soldiers, and they're afraid now to approach him. And they have the chains, and finally they grab a hold of him, and they start wrapping him with chains. Could you imagine how epic this moment is? But look what the Gospel of Matthew tells us. I'm going to begin to read in verse 57. Are you there? And those who laid a hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. Those of you that went to Israel with us, you'll remember how we left the the Garden of Gethsemane, and you'll remember that first century road that led up to Caiaphas' house. And we literally went in Caiaphas' house. And how we know that is because outside of Jerusalem... Where the ordinary common people lived, Caiaphas' house had a, um, a dungeon or a prisoner's cell that they would try Jewish criminals before they turned them over to the Romans to Pontius Pilate. That's how they know for sure it was truly Caiaphas' house, that it had this kind of construction in it. So they're not guessing here. This is powerful. But Peter followed at a distance to Caiaphas' priest's courtyard. We stood right there. And he went in and he sat with the servants to see the end. And now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. And the high priest rose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. The high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ the Son of God, Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, he is speaking blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and said, he is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him. Others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is it who struck you? We go right into Matthew 27, because I need you to see this. When morning came, 
All the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the government, the, the governor. Notice there was an ending of a night and all through the night and then a morning. You notice this? Those of you that went to Israel with us will remember that we went down into the pit and the dungeon where Jesus was lowered to stay that night as a prisoner being arrested. Those of you that remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson, you'll remember after Jesus was beat up, he was lowered down into a pit and his mother came into Caiaphas' house looking for him. And there's a scene where, he, where she goes looking all through the house and then she goes down to the floor and puts her face on the floor. And the, the video passes through the floor and you can see Jesus down there tied up in chains as a prisoner. We stood there. We stood there. In those moments, we took our Bibles, and I want to read to you what we read in that dungeon, in that pit where Jesus was held, arrested, held captive. Go to Psalm 22, if you will. I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. Psalm 22. What's amazing to me is that 1,000 years before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, David, King David, this young mighty warrior, psalmist, prophet, king, would begin to have epic revelation where he would declare by the spirit of prophecy who the Messiah was. David was not just a king. He was also a prophet, okay? And he would be caught in the spirit. Actually, and you can look at Psalm 110 later. You can put it in your scriptures where David literally beholds a conversation between the father and the son and the father speaking over his son about his identity being a son and a priest of, of the order of Melchizedek. Look at it later. That's Psalm 110. David would be caught in these incredible encounters and begin to write about the coming Messiah. 1,000 years, 1,000 years before Jesus would be born and walk this earth. Now I'm going to begin to read in verse 12. I'm in the Passion Translation. Verse 12. Psalm 22, are you there? Okay, four people. Are, are, really, are you there? Okay, okay, I want to make sure we're using our Bibles. All right, here we go. You ready? Listen to this. I'm surrounded by many violent foes. Mighty forces of evil are swirling around me who want to break me to bits and destroy me. Curses pour from their mouths. They're like ravenous, roaring lions tearing their prey. Now I'm completely exhausted. I am spent. Every joint of my body body has been pulled apart. My courage has vanished and my inward parts have melted away. I'm so thirsty and parched, dry as a bone. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth and now they've left me 
in the dust for dead. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Wow. Like a pack of wild dogs, they tear at me, swirling around me with their hatred. They gather around me like lions to pin my hands and feet. My bones stick out. Look at how they gloat over me and stare. With a toss of a dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. My God. This is 1,000 years before Jesus would be taken to the cross. Remember what happened at the cross where the soldiers were gambling and making wages, rolling the dices for, for dice for his garments. You remember this? I'm going to read Psalm 88. Psalm 88. Just, just go there with me. I'm still in the Passion Translation, I believe. Psalm 88, Yahweh is the God who continually saves me. Come on, say amen to that. I weep before you night and day. Please bend down and listen to my sobbing. Now, again, this is a messianic psalm concerning Jesus. For my life is riddled with troubles and death is just around the corner. Everyone sees my life ebbing out. They consider me a hopeless cause and see me as a dead man. They've all left me here to die, helpless, like one who is doomed for death. They're convinced that you've forsaken me. Certain you have forgotten me completely, abandoned, pierced, with nothing to look forward to but death. They have discarded me. They have thrown me down in the deepest darkness as into a bottomless pit. I fear your wrath, and it is heavy upon me, drowning me beneath the sea of sorrow. Why did you turn all of my friends against me? Wow. Now remember this. See, you got to remember, this is a prophetic messianic psalm. Every one of Jesus' friends, his disciples disowned him and betrayed him and left him and ran for their lives. You think about this. You've made me like a cursed man in their eyes. No one wants to be with me now. You've caught me in a trap with no way out. Every day I beg for your help. Can't you see my tears? My eyes are swollen with weeping. My arms are wide longing for mercy, but you're nowhere to be found. How can those who are caught off, cut off from the care, from your care, even know that you're there? How can I rise up to praise you if I'm a dead man and gone? Who can give thanks for your love in the graveyard? Who preaches your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Does death's darkness declare your miracles? How can anyone who's in the grave where all is forgotten remember how you keep your promises? Lord, you know my prayer before I even whisper it. At each and every sunrise, you will continue to hear my cry. 
until you answer, Oh Lord, why have you thrown away my life? You will keep turning the other way every time that I call out to you. I've had to live in poverty and trouble all my life. Now I'm humiliated, broken, and helpless before your tears. I can't even take it anymore. I'm overwhelmed by your burning anger. See, I don't know if you're getting this yet. See, Jesus was in such terror and brokenness in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Scripture tells us he literally sweat and released drops of blood. His blood vessels were literally bursting. He was in such horrific trauma and terror that was upon him, knowing what was about to come upon him, knowing the power of death that was about to grip him, knowing that all would forsake him, knowing that the shepherd would be struck and all the sheep would scatter. I'm overwhelmed. By your burning anger. See, and there, listen, you, whose burning anger is he talking about? He's talking about the burning anger of the Father. Because the Father burned to deal and give a final punishment to the power of sin. And the only way to destroy the yoke and the power of sin was to give the perfect Lamb of God as a sacrifice who could destroy the curse in himself. Glory to God. I'm preaching the gospel to you tonight, folks. I am preaching the glorious gospel to you. I've taken the worst you could give me, and I'm speechless before you. I'm drowning beneath the waves of the sorrow, cut off with no one to help. All my loved ones and my friends, they keep far from me, leaving me alone with only darkness as my friends. Now, folks, the Apostle Paul, where we started this train, In Philippians 3, he said, I want to know him. Then he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. But don't lose this. And in the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, who had already poured out his litany to us, his portfolio of who he was in Philippians 3, he knew these messianic psalms. And yet he had the audacity to say, I want to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. That's intense to me. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. It's too big for my heart and mind. But Jesus went into a metamorphosis, much like 
was experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was literally turned inside out. And when he was turned inside out brilliantly, you know, Peter was like, (laughs) this is the best meeting I've ever been to. And Moses and Elijah literally showed up for that conversation. You tracking with me? Jesus was turned inside out. They saw the glory of Jesus like he looked like before time began and before he stepped into time. He's having a conversation with Elijah. He's having a conversation with Moses. He went through a metamorphosis. He was was transformed from the inside out. But he went through another metamorphosis, ladies and gentlemen. He went through a metamorphosis on the cross. And he literally became sin. He went through such a metamorphosis and such a transfiguration of change. He who knew no sin became sin. Think about that. And then keep thinking about it. And keep thinking about it so you never lose your wonder of the power of the cross. That Jesus literally became sin. He became all of this gross sin nature that we see just raging in our time, in our generation. He became this filth. And literally, when he became sin, the father had to turn away. Wow. I'm preaching a glorious gospel to you tonight. Because in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he makes it clear. He says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And here it is. And to give his life as a ransom for all, for many. To give his life as a ransom, a ransom. Matthew 20, 28. Isaiah says it like this. Isaiah 1, 18. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And though your sins are like scarlet, you shall be white like snow. And though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I want to say it to you like this tonight. The good father knew what happened to humanity. He knew the depravity of our fall. Yet he says, I want to enter into a conversation with you. I know what went wrong, and I know the perfect solution. He looks at our lives, and he says, yeah, I know went wrong. I know what went wrong. I know what affected you. I know what made you stumble. I knew what made you fall. I knew what made you sin. I knew what caused the tripping of the propensity to sin. But I want to enter into a conversation with you that I have made a solution so that you can be clean and as white as snow Before me. And the way that I'll do it. Is I will give you all that I have to give. In my beloved son. It's the gospel folks. It's the gospel of glory. So then Isaiah takes us a little further. In Isaiah 53. 
And I'm about there tonight. I'm about there. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, he says these words. Again, this is... This is seven, between seven and eight hundred years before Jesus was ever born as a man, as a baby, and became a man and walked the earth. Don't you love the prophetic? He says, surely he took up our infirmities or our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows or our diseases. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. Hallelujah. These are strong words. Smitten, afflicted, pierced, crushed, punished why would Jesus suffer all of these things because he loves us for love because he loves us never underestimate the power of the Father's love for your life. Never underestimate the love of Jesus for your life. Never underestimate the power of the Holy Ghost wooing in your life. He's worthy. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.